0: Cultivating relationships. Cultivating relationships. For the next little while, we're going to be talking about relationships and their values. How valuable is or are the relationships that we have now? You'll notice the introduction, the two most important things in life are, number one, love God And number two, love people. There was a Pharisee, an attorney, that came to Jesus and he said to him, he said, what are the most important commandments? What is the most important commandments? There are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. And so this lawyer is wanting jesus to take all of these commandments look at them and say what's the most important one well jesus didn't back down here's what he says in matthew chapter 22 verses 37 through 39 jesus said to him you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind This is the first and great commandment. And And the second is like it, he said. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we're to love God. We are to personally love him. To have a relationship with him. Not only are we to love him personally, but we're to love him fervently. And uh, it is important that we love God, but it's also important that we love each other. Have a relationship with God, have a relationship with other others. Notice as we read on in our introduction, Jesus summarized all the commandments in those two commandments. We are created to love God. We are created to love people. Relationships are a big emphasis in the Bible. Relationships are a crucial part of life, so it is essential that we understand those relationships from God's perspectives. When God created us in his image, he created us with a need and a desire to have healthy relationships. In this new series that we're going to begin or we're beginning today, we will look at our relationship with God. We'll look at our relationship with the family. We'll look at our relationship with the church. And also, we're going to look at our relationship with the world. We are in the world, but not what? Of God. The world. So we're going to look at our relationships, and it's important that we understand these relationships from the way that God looks at them. I, my wife and I were at Taco Bell this past Wednesday, and uh, we were getting ready to come to service, so we wanted to pick up a meal and eat. And so uh, I noticed a dad and two of his sons, they looked to be about nine and twelve, maybe thirteen. And they were eating there at Taco Bell, at the same table. But I noticed the dad and his two sons, all, all three of them were on their cell phones. Now, this is, we're living in a social climate. But are we social? We're living in a, in, a, in a culture that we should have greater relationships. We have every way in the world to communicate. Whether it's Twitter, whether it's uh, the, the cell phone reaching out to each other by texting or whatever it is, we're supposed to be social. But I wonder today are we as social as we think we are? Is texting someone the same as standing or sitting, talking to them face to face? No. But the Lord, the Bible talks a lot about relationships. Roman numeral number one, the need for relationships. First of all, we need to concede your need for others. I I I looked at this text that I I chose here, and I just thought it was just amazing as as I began to read it, how that Paul right into the church at Thessalonica says in chapter 2, verses 7 through 8, but we were gentle among you, Just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Verse 8. Notice what he says. So affectionately longing for you. I know preachers that preach to people. They're longing for their money more than they're longing for the people. And I wonder if they're longing for that person just to make and have a number in the church. But Paul says, my longing for you. We were well pleased to impart To you, not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. What, What two powerful verses. Paul had a wonderful relationship, not only with God. But he had a great relationship with others. In fact, most of, not all of the Apostle Paul's epistles have names of those in those epistles and in the scripture where he had developed a relationship. Names I can't even hardly pronounce, but people that he had developed a relationship with. So we need to concede that we need each other. I need you. You need the church. You need brothers and sisters. You need the caring of others. Paul identified this need to belong. Notice what he says right into the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12, 20. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. So I don't know what part of the body you might say you are or what God says you are or what you are. But I do know no matter what part of the body we are, we have need of each other. And a lot of times it's hard for us maybe even to let God know our needs. The Bible says ask. The Bible says also in Philippians, let your requests be made known unto God. We need to share with others. we share with those. I know I've gone through things in my life, and I didn't want anybody to know anything about it because I'm a preacher. I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to have dire needs. But I remember I was at Gene Evans' church in, uh, in Douglasville, Georgia some years ago, years ago. And man, was I going through something. Boy, that I have needs, especially a specific need. And the service went to where I could make that need known. And there were two ladies sitting there. And I began to share with them my heart. Now, I know that can be a little uneasy sometimes to share. And you certainly need to know who you're sharing with. And certainly need to uh, be careful there. But I began to share to those, with those two ladies, my need. And they came in agreement with me and God Almighty intervened. Don't be afraid. Don't be reluctant. Say, God, I have needs. I'm not perfect. I'm not, I've not arrived yet. I have needs. Also, this need for others is God-given and deeply rooted in our lives. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says it this way. And the Lord God said. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. It's not good. And the thing that I find interesting over the many years that I've pastored. People began to have problems. Maybe, maybe there's sin in their life. Maybe they're going through a very hard time and they don't know how to deal with it. And they feel like isolating themselves. They feel depressed or oppressed. And one of the things that we'll do if we're not careful, we separate ourselves from people rather than joining with those and receiving strength from those people. So we need you and I, Need each other. Not only the need for relationship, but we need to cultivate those relationships. Deep relationships. To survive in a cold and cruel world requires deep relationship. And that's what Paul would say in verse 8 of the second chapter of the book of 1 Thessalonians. Listen, I need you. I care for you like a mother for a nursing baby. Can you imagine that kind of relationship? Can you imagine having that kind of relationship with someone that you want to be able to say, hey, I love you and I care for you like a mother cares for her child? That's what Paul, if you look at that in the Greek, that's what Paul is saying. I really care because it's, it's cold out there. You're treated all kind of ways. And I'm not just talking about the weather. And we need to be encouraged. That's the reason that fellowship and joining together with God's people is so vitally important. I love animal shows. In fact, my favorite thing on television is, is I, I love animals. To watch animals in Africa. And the predators that go after those pitiful, pitiful Wildebeest and all kind of animals, and I noticed that the that the tiger, that the uh, certain uh, predators, they they look at the weakness of the animal they're back about to attack, and they they observe the weakness and they want to be able to catch that animal. But a pride of lions is somewhat different. They're not necessarily looking for the weakness in an animal. They're looking for the weakness of isolation. They try their best, especially if if, if it's a large animal where they can't, you know, de- defeat their animal. But they try to isolate those Animals, And if they ever get one isolated, a pride of lion can bring down the largest beast. But they've got to get it isolated. And the Bible says the enemy, Satan, our enemy, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's looking for our weakness in isolation. If he can isolate us, if he can get husband against wife... Wife against husband. Parents against children. Brothers and sisters against each other. If he can isolate us, we become a perfect target for him. That's the reason it's so important to stay together, love together, pray together. Walk together. Cry together. Love together. Those relationships do not just happen. They require effort. Paul just didn't walk in, join with these people, and build a relationship. It took time. Sometimes it took hardship. Sometimes it took trials. It took talking together, working together, praying together, crying together. It takes effort, and it doesn't come easy sometimes. I read one blogger. She said that she isolated herself from people because of the things that she had gone through and and she she knew it was not right to be so isolated so she she just forced herself to attend church and then she made sure she got in the Sunday school class and she said when she went to that Sunday school class she looked around she didn't know anybody she felt so uneasy And maybe not even so much welcomed. And she did not feel comfortable in that Sunday school class. But she made herself go back the next Sunday. And she made herself go back the next Sunday. She still didn't feel comfortable. But the more she went back to that Sunday school class, the more comfortable she got. She finally wound up making friends having some of them over to her house and she going over to their house and she became very strong in her relationship with those people that at first she wanted to have nothing to do with. It takes effort. To, to have friends, you got to be friend, friendly. And if you want a relationship, you have to take the initiative. You said, well, I don't think that person wants to Big friends with me, do you know? And maybe they don't know how to make friends with you, so it's an uncomfortable thing. So each one has to make sure I'm going to build a relationship. You know, when you first go to a church, I mean, you look around, you don't know anybody. Got tall people, short people, big people, little people. People just have all kind of personalities and characteristics and some turn you off and some you don't know whether they want to speak. You just, it's just all kind of things going on. But you've got to warm up to it. You've got to take time. And you've got to show love to that particular individual. When I, when I looked at this, verse especially verse 8, look, let's read verse 8 again. So affectionately longing for you, we were pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of of God, uh, but also our own lives because you became dear to us. There were three words in, in these two verses I want you to notice. First of all, care. He cared. Do we care? Do we come in when the service starts? We leave as soon as the service is over and we see the people? Do we care? That's the one reason, Brother Dan, we have prayer on Sunday, on Friday night, because we care. We reach out, we care, we want to touch people's lives. The Apostle Paul cared for the people, he wasn't out just trying to. You know, put notches on his gun, so to speak, said, oh, I've got all these churches. Well, I'm pastoring this church or this great church or that church or the other church. The apostle Paul really and truly cared for people. Do we care? Do we care? First of all, the word is care. Second of all, he uses the word share. I want to share. To share with others in deep relationship necessitates that we get up close and personal with them. It might take a Starbucks for you to get close. It might take a McDonald's. Or you may have to go to an expensive place with this person and just buy their meal and say, let's sit together, talk together and and enjoy each other. Or stay longer than you want to stay. Or go earlier than you want to go. It takes time. It takes effort. But it's well. Can I get an amen after this statement? It is well worth the time. Amen. amen. It is well worth the effort. Hallelujah. Praise God. I, I I just tell you it's very, very. So we we care. We share. And he said, you're dear to me. Are those people next to you or the people in this church or uh, the people that you fellowship with, are they dear to you? Let's make them dear. Let's Let's make them very, very special. Love is something you do, not just something you say. I love you. I love you and just go on down the way. The need for relationship, cultivate a relationship, and then commit to authenticity. I, res- I took this from Rick uh, Ezel uh, and notice what we have here. We must commit ourselves to getting beneath the surface talk and become interested and accountable to each other. As iron, sharpen it, iron. Iron can't sharpen iron until it connects. We need to be close. Authenticity occurs when the masks come off. I told Carol, I want want about 150 masks. I want to bring them in, all kind of masks, and put them on every one of y'all and me too. Much said, I'd look much better. No, you know what kind of mask I'm thinking about. (laughs) Because if we're not careful, we all come with our masks on. And as Brother Todd said a while ago, you look at someone or look at some of us, and we're smiling real big and everything is just fine. We don't know what's behind that mask. And for most of us, we are not going to take off that mask. We're not going to be authentic. We're not going to really let our feelings be made known. I mean, God wants us to be open and honest. And again, you need to be careful there in those areas. God wants us to be real. How many churches today that you can go to? How many churches can you go to? And there are a lot of good churches. Let me say that. How many places can you go? Not just churches. And the people are real. I mean, just real. Isn't it nice to have a friend that you can just. Spiritually and emotionally snuggled up to, and they be real, and you be real to them, and you let down your guard and you you know and what you're saying is not going to be held against you, used against you. God wants that kind of of, of authenticity in all of us, and I believe that's the way it was with Paul and that's what Paul was saying it's, it will happen. we must make room for people. In our lives. Yes sometimes it's a sacrifice. Yes sometimes it's not easy. But we need to do it. Number three. When we make room for others in our lives. The walls of indifference and apathy. Come down. And what happens? We discover the best of others. And the best of ourselves. I really believe. Who we are. Is manifested best when we show love and concern for other people. And that's what church and serving God, and that's what Paul was all about. He wasn't just about teaching theology and looking good in his preaching or all of the great things that he could have bragged about, his education. Paul said, I just want to love you. I just want to love you. One of the greatest things I've ever found out as a pastor when people are hurting, is not what I say. It's not how to make words fit together when they're hurting. Just, just be there. Just love them. Sometimes just cry with them. They want to know that we are really, really re- loved. Now, side note I have here, and you'll get to it in just a moment, but I wanted to finish up with this, and if you will, why, what separates Christianity from other religions? And number two is why I wanted to read this that connects with with the sermon. Every other religion, what makes Christianity or separates Christianity from other religions? I remember when I was in India, how that there was this great river there in Viswada and, and this temple next to it. And people by the thousands was wading out into this river, wading out... And, you know, India has all kind of gods, thousands and thousands of gods. And and and, and they were waiting out of this, and they tried their best to wash their sins away. There are many religions, all kind of religions, and all kind of things in order to get to, quote, God, and have God to love us and be a, able to have a God. But notice, as we have lists here, three things. Every other religion teaches us to earn our way to God. And that's what they were doing in that river. I've seen pictures of uh, the Philippines where they worship God and they take sharp ob- objects on the end of a lash uh, 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 and they begin to beat their backs and they carry crosses and they're trying their best to get to God by And But how many of you know we don't have to get to God? Christianity teaches that God came to us. We don't have to be legalistic to get to God. When I was growing up as a young man, you had to do a lot of things to be a Christian and get to God. I mean, if you did certain things, you couldn't get to God. If you dressed certain ways, you couldn't get to God. If you lived a certain way, you couldn't. You just you just couldn't even hardly talk to God. One of the things that was so strict when I was growing up was the, was the way that women dressed or didn't dress. They had to have long hair in order to be saved. Their sleeves had to come down to here. Their dresses had to come way down. They, you know, all kind of things. They couldn't wear makeup. My God. If they had makeup on, you couldn't get to God if you had makeup on. Couldn't get to God if you had earrings. Well, what was so interesting about our uh, legalism was the guys could dress about any way they wanted to. Look as sharp as they wanted to. But the women had to look homey, you know. They just couldn't dress. It was really true. It was so it was true. I'll never forget, you know, Oral Roberts put his first tent here up in, here in Durham. I don't know if you know that or not. His first tent was put up on Andrew Avenue here in Durham. And I went to, not long after he put that, I went to his, his tent meeting in, uh, in Fedville. That's where, how I met Oral Roberts, was in, or where I met, rather, in Oral, Oral Roberts' ministry, was in Fayetteville. He had this large, large tent. And next to the big tent was another big tent. And that's where all the sick and the afflicted and those in wheelchairs and those with crutches and all, they came to the the smaller tent and he would go over. But a lot of times in the big tent, he would pray for people. And of course, being taught you couldn't get to God or receive from God uh, unless you were like we were, dressed like we did, lived like we did, spoke like we did, jerked, I mean shouted like we did. It's true. But I was raised, different churches, different Pentecostals had certain jerks. And you could tell what, if if, if it was, and I'm not going to call any denomination, you could tell what denomination it was by the jerk they had. I'm not being, trying to be mean, it's just, it's just true. So when Oral Roberts started praying for these people, these women started filing By. And they had makeup on. They had earrings on. They had watches on. They had necklaces on. Their hair was cut real short. And I, I'd already judged them. I knew they were not going to receive anything from God. I mean, I just knew it. And I watched them. And they came. They came off of that platform or the or the ramp. They came off the ramp and they were healed and they were healed. And I said, "My God, something's wrong with me or God won." I think, but I found out god don 't care about those things i'm not saying God throws all that out the window i'm not saying that, but god don 't care about those things you don't have to be legalistic to get to God you don 't have to be legalistic. I remember the story of three prostitutes in New York up in a they were up in a uh, apartment I think Several guys were there. And one of them just began to call out to God. And she started speaking in tongues. Now, if I was the Holy Ghost, I would have not been in that apartment. <laughs> because you can't do that. You can't be a prostitute and the Holy Ghost be there with you. You just can't. Do it. Now, I'm not saying she had the... Holy Spirit when she was practicing I'm not saying that I'm just telling you they fell on. she fell on her knees and cried out to God and God saved her and filled her with the Holy Ghost at the same time and God just set her free I'm glad God steps over a lot of stuff that we wouldn't step over aren't you? it's important that we understand this Number two, other religions have systems of rules to appease God. That's what I was telling you about. These people trying to appease God with all their actions and all that they do. They've got to go to a certain place. That they have to do certain things. Have to pray certain ways. Who was it we heard in Pittsburgh? Oh. You think of his name probably. yeah, Garlington, his first name was Brother David, you knew him, Garlington from pittsburgh great man, great singer i'm remember, remember teaching, and i was we had our 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 leadership conference there and and he he was teaching he said, you know sometimes you don't have time to pray, all you can say is You ever been there? Not no fancy prayer. Not getting everything in order to call on God. Not making sure that you are so pure and holy. But just having a need and saying, Oh, God. I don't have to have everything just right. Let me read it again. Other religions have systems of rules to appease God. Christianity, and I love this, is a relationship with God. You know what Christianity is? It's a relationship with God. It's not church, pews, buildings, the right kind of theology, it's just knowing Him. Sister Judy, come up and play me a song real quick, if you will. What a lovely name, the name of Jesus. I just I just want you to play that song in just a moment. No other religion has an empty tomb. Thirdly, I'm looking at the... What separates Christianity from religion? Every other religion teaches us to earn our way. Other religions have systems of rules to appease God. And number three, no other religion has an empty tomb. Jesus died and came back to life. Name all the religions. Did they come back to life? Play it. What a lovely name. What a lovely name, the name of Jesus.